0: Hello, welcome everybody SF live episode 237. It is Monday. Welcome everybody. Hope everybody had a great weekend. We already did a breaking news special with Dory Copper this morning. Now it's time for a long form interview and I have a guest here in the studio with me. I'm quite excited about that. Because as you know, it's like, we try to emulate the live, uh, the live conference environment and we try to get the CEOs on camera, live, unedited and unfiltered. So I'm really happy to be doing more of these lately. And we had like three or four last week, which was fantastic. And now uh, I have Richard here with, me. well, he's the interim CEO of uh, Element29 Resources. And uh, we're gonna find out more about why interim and is interim turning permanent. But also we need the video under the radar copper stock. I went on co.ca and saw zero posts on it. So that's why under the radar, quite excited to learn more about it. I first heard about it in May, 2019, and I'm gonna give some reasons Or why i heard about it and what did i do with it and what did i do do when i heard about it as well but uh, before we switch over to the conversation with our guest here be be reminded to follow us on youtube follow us on twitter hit the like and subscribe button it helps tremendously with the algorithm so please do that and uh, if you are a shareholder obviously more investors like yourself will see the video on you well make sure to do that and it's highly highly appreciated now let me switch over you've already seen my guest here he is and uh Richard, it's great to have you on. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Guy. It's good to be doing this live, first one, actually. Absolutely. I have to admit, like, I wasn't prepared for it this morning, and uh, all of a sudden <laughs> you were standing in the hallway. He's like, yes, it's in person, not via Zoom, so I had to take the screen down and everything. So it's, it's, it's really refreshing, and I'm really excited to see more CEOs come in the studio in Absolutely. person. It makes a big difference. Yeah, it feels like we're getting back to normal. Slowly but surely, right? Uh, I think mid-February, like in 10 days, we'll, we'll have another announcement and see what... Uh, the restrictions yeah. are, I think. So we'll see. Fingers we'll crossed see. for yeah. Freedom Day. Freedom Day. <laughs> freedom Day. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's what they call it in Europe, at least. But uh, so far, so good. Freedom. Richard, it's your first time on uh, SF Live. It is. And it's uh, great to have you on. But uh, give us a quick 30, 60-second pitch on Element 29 Resources, and then we'll dive into more of the details, specifics, why interim, and all that good stuff.
1: Okay. Well, uh, Element 29 is a copper-focused uh, junior resource company. Uh, listed all uh, uh, with peru- projects in Peru, uh, copper projects. And uh, we're listed on the TSX uh, Venture Exchange, as well as the OTC QB in the US, uh, where we also have DTC eligibility, which I think uh, makes it easier to trade our shares in the US. We're also listed on the Frankfurt Exchange.
0: Fantastic. Okay, um, run us a bit through the history of the company because you've been involved in in, in the founding group, uh, Trotters That's that right. sort of discovered the project. Um, so give us a bit of a rundown because I mentioned I heard I first heard about it in May twenty nineteen. Right. Is that uh, when it all started?
1: Uh, getting close. I mean, we we spent about seven years building that portfolio in in Peru, our copper portfolio, and uh, you know it takes about a mine cycle of really, like seven to eight. 10 years to build a portfolio like this, you know, when uh, when a lot of the big mining companies were dropping ground in some prime real estate in Peru, we were actually acquiring it back in 2015. And uh, that time when copper was around $2 a pound kind of thing, you know, or we just above that. So it made it, uh, you know, get, like, put us in a position where we uh, we got to a point where we had made a new discovery uh, called Elida, and we had acquired a uh, project from uh, a small-scale mining company down there called Minera Candelaria. And uh, once we had those assets, we just felt that it would be generate more value if we put those into a new copper-focused junior versus trying to do a deal with the majors at the time. Majors weren't really doing a lot of work. I think they are still trying to clean up their balance sheets and things like that. So uh, uh, we had been sort of watching the markets, and we could sort of see that uh, a lot of juniors were getting a, lot of, a fair bit of traction if they had good copper
0: stories. Like one of the projects you mentioned uh, was was uh, from Lundin Mining, right? Did they did you buy it outright from them, or did they drop it and then you acquired? Or how, uh, how did that work out?
1: Yeah, no, that's our Elida project. It was actually discovered by us, uh, Globe and uh, we optioned it to Lundin back in two thousand thirteen, I think. And they drilled about ten thousand meters back in fourteen and fifteen. Then, as I mentioned, the price of copper went to like two dollars a pound, and uh, I think London, uh had just acquired some assets in Chile and uh, a nickel project in Michigan, and you know they're, they're looking at they figured they could get into projects, I think, uh, with less risk, you know, and, and I think they cut back on a lot of their greenfields exploration, and they end up giving the project back to Globetrotters. I really think that was the time when we thought it might be better just to move that project into a, uh, into a sort of a junior resource company.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um Okay, that, that, that makes a lot of sense, actually you have consolidated focus you, you can drill it and you, you get operatorship on it as well like oftentimes mm-hmm. with bigger companies they just projects drop on the wayside you never hear from them they only spend the minimum amount on it
1: so no th- i mean the, they had some great results it was quite surprising they actually gave it back but anyway we're, we're pretty happy to get it back
0: nothing wrong with that no. makes you look better Absolutely. right? so fantastic <laughs> um let's talk about it, it like lots to talk about actually but um yeah. let's let's talk about you first uh because your title that's the first thing i Stuck, stuck, on, stuck with me is that you're interim CEO. You're also chairman. Um, give us a bit of background. How did it come to that? And uh, is interim going to be permanent or what, what's the strategy there?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I was part of founding the company, of course, and uh, you know I've been involved in developing the projects. So uh, it was a pretty, uh, pretty logical transition, I think. But what had happened was our, our CEO that we had hired to take on the, the projects of the company, uh, Brian Booth, actually had some, uh, some health issues back in 2019. So he had a bit of a change of life experience and decided it was time to retire. So uh, we, we decided that it would be probably best for me to step in and, and take over that CEO role until we could find someone. And, and that started back in October of last year. So we've been into it
0: now uh, five months. Oh, okay, so still so, fairly fresh. So you're not planning on being interim CEO for the next 12 years or so?
1: No, no, <laughs> we're, we're actively looking. We have recruiters out, you know, looking for people. And uh, we're, what we want to be is not
0: in a hurry. You know, we want to find the right person. Yeah, God fantastic. Right. Fantastic. Um, okay, so Club Trotters. Yes. Um, you, you brought it up. You're a founder of Club Trotters. You're a member of Club Globetrotters. Who is Globetrotters? I know actually Globetrotters in Germany is a big outdoor apparel brand and an outdoor clothing <laughs> store. So I'm sure it has nothing to do with that. No, it doesn't. It's also
1: like a trucking company. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, so there's a few things. But, <laughs> but it's it's a company that
1: I founded with a couple of other people, David Elliott, uh, who, uh, who's uh, a big part of it. Uh, Brian Abraham, uh, Manuel Montoya, who's our VP of exploration in Peru. Um, he used to be with Tech for quite a long time, and he resigned from Tech to join Globetrotters. But we, we've been active since about 2010, 2011, and uh, we are still private, and sort of partially self-funding, you know, and uh, by uh, generating uh, revenue through our projects kind of thing, right? Uh, but Element29 sort of came about. We took some uh, two of our most advanced projects as well as two earlier stages to put together a pipeline, and that's where we felt, you know, that... To give Element29 quite a good uh, portfolio to be able to move into the markets with.
0: Um, where, where does the operatorship of the projects then lie? Is that it's still with Globetrotters? Is Globetrotters running sort of the exploration programs on behalf of Element29, or is it all within the company itself? All
1: within the company. Uh, you know, we, we brought in, uh, uh, that's a good point actually, we we brought in Paul Johnson. Paul is, a, um, is our VP of exploration with Element29, and he was actually hired th- by Globetrotters initially until Element29 got off the ground for the purpose of putting him on as VP of Exploration for Element29. And Paul is uh, actually quite interesting background. He's got about 15 years uh, uh, working with Tech Resources. Uh, tech, I think now. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he basically was the Senior Chief Geologist with uh, regional, regional Chief Geologist for Tech in, for all of South America. Uh, he, uh, he spent about uh, five or six years working in Chile and Peru And uh, you know we just consider Paul a porphyry expert, right? So he's
0: doing a fantastic job in
1: uh, in running the
0: programs right now. Yeah, before we dive into the exploration side of things and talk about more in detail about Mm -hmm. the projects, let's catch up on the capital structure real quick. Uh, 45 million market cap at today's share price, 57 cents roughly. Uh, 80 million shares outstanding, roughly 18 million warrants and options, mostly mostly, uh, warrants though, like 16 million roughly. Um, do, Do you know the strike prices, like? Do you have an overview?
1: Yeah, well, mo- uh, there's a fair bit of 50 cents. Like every time we do a financing, there's a, <laughs> you have to put out a warrant these days. And uh, I don't know, it's sort of good and bad, right? Uh, so we, we have a bunch from the IPO that, that are sort of have a strike pi- price of uh, about 70 cents. And then we also have uh, another group that we, uh, we just did through uh, the financing we did in the fall. They have a strike price of 50 cents. they're all three-year warrants. I think there's a few left over from an earlier placement where we have some. Well, not a lot of them. Um,
0: Cash on hand? How much? Uh,
1: 7.9
0: million. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, Yeah. well positioned there. Um, Run us through share ownership a bit uh, because ClubTrader still owns 14%. And when I looked at it in 2019, it was actually, and that was the main reason I passed on it back in the day, it was 40% ownership. That was personally for my personal taste. Like everybody's got different criteria (laughs) just a tad much Uh, because I didn't know where to put it, right? And how to, like, is, will it be able to fund it? Are the 40% against me till you get to like 199 or so? So, of course, knowing, seeing, seeing and believing and all that stuff, I didn't know much about it. I just saw that big block there. Yeah, well, so,
1: we, we weren't really planning to hold more than 20, like 19.9% of the stock. And uh, we actually sold uh, uh, quite a good chunk to some of our directors in the company and some insiders that were looking to get a block. Uh, so we managed to get our position down to... Um, uh, you know, now it's at 14%, like you said, uh, from the last financing. But I think we also did a, uh, a distribution there where we gave a bunch of shares to uh, Globetrotter shareholders, uh, which was also, uh,
0: yeah, I mean, that, that
1: had significant impact. brought it down from, it was actually over
0: 50% ownership at one point. Yeah, it was fairly high back in the day yeah. when I saw it. Uh, I actually found the deck just uh, in my Outlook files. Oh, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from from back then, it was good to to go through yeah. it real quick and just refresh my memory a little bit. So, um, but we're long
1: term shareholders. Yeah, you know, we're, we're going to be in there for the long term. Mm-hmm. We put uh, two hundred forty thousand, I think, into the last one. Oh, that's good to know. We're, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna continue to support it as, as best we can for
0: sure. Yeah, no, that's that, that's important to see and know. Uh, well, you're insiders anyway, so you got to report too. Yeah. But, we'll report uh, it. Uh, management 7%, uh, uh, management right. board, yeah. yeah. Uh, Polygon is in there, I see uh, RCF is in there. Yeah. When did they come in?
1: Uh, they came in quite early, They they how they got in was through a, uh, when we first looked at this, we didn't want to dilute too much, so we, we thought we'd do sort of a convertible debenture back after we did a 30, 30 cent raise, and then get that converted at the IPO level. And uh, so we reached out to a few groups, and RCF uh, agreed to put about $1.5 million in at the time, and then uh, you know, have continued to support the... That's
0: oh, fantastic. Yeah, we're good shareholders to have. They do a lot of technical du- uh, due diligence Did as well. Things. So we can put a checkmark behind there. I see a couple of other something. names as well, like Commodity Discovery Fund is in, Northfield, Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. You've been able to track quite a good roster of uh, shareholders there. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't all my, uh, my work, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, pointed out. you've got to deliver, though. Right? so we yeah, got to yeah. talk about how you're spending the 7.9 million dollars okay. and um, we actually got some really good news out of peru this morning and uh, i saw yeah. a press release from newmont uh they're acquiring the 43.65 percent from buenaventura of the anacoche mine. i hadn't um, seen that so. it's <laughs> like I, I did the rough math i wrote it down so it's a roughly a 450 million dollar um transaction if you throw in closure costs for lasagna and uh, lasagna itself i don't know how to value that one right. so if you add that in there Put a dollar value, is probably over five hundred million dollars worth of value right. going to Buenaventura. um That that just screams a lot of confidence in Peru, because um, so. yeah. now Newmont has to stem two point three billion dollars in capital expenditures this year themselves. Right. So yeah. that's also a signal to the market that they might be believing in Peru again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now I'm going to ask you: Is like, how, how is it working in Peru? How, how are things? Like, how's the environment? Obviously, big spotlights on the country. Yeah,
1: I mean, you hear a lot of white noise coming out of Peru on the political side, but I think things are still getting done, you know. Like, thing, we in the last year, we've got two permits to do drilling on two of our projects. And, you know, if you look at a company like Bear Creek Mining, you know, working in the Corani uh, deposit, which is in southern Peru, they managed to get permits uh, to, to develop that project, right? If you can get permits there, I think, you know, it sort of shows you that if you do a good job on the community side and the social side and, uh, you know, uh, stewards of the environment and, and work properly and ethically that you can actually, uh, you know, get things done.
0: Okay. So, and and you, you said you're fully permitted for your exploration plans right now? Is that?
1: Uh, we are. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, we're, we're still trying to get permitted on one part of the Florida Cobra project. Uh, the project itself has two porphyry centers, which we're actually drilling Candelaria center now, which has an historical resource on it, but there's another uh, porphyry center called Visado, which we staked. Contiguous with the Candelaria concessions, which we optioned from a family, um, that that project actually sits on a ground that's held by a community, whereas the Candelaria project sits on a ground that's owned by a private company. So we actually made a deal with the private company to go in and and uh, and, and you know we 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 got the drill per, uh, com- the access agreement from them, uh, whereas we're still trying to get access permits for the atrovisado, and the community we're dealing with uh, has been designated indigenous, okay. which means that you have to go through a prior consultation process, which takes a little bit longer in Peru. But the community itself, I think, uh, you know, they're very sophisticated, uh, and they, they, uh, they are in a, in a jurisdiction very close to Arequipa and Cerro Verde and all the other big copper projects in southern Peru. So you understand the mining business very well.
0: Okay, so okay. what does that mean, that timeline, though? is like, what, what are they looking for? Just uh, involvement, you said consultation. Um, what does that look like on the ground?
1: Yeah, well, you have to sort of have the government involved. And really, it's just a, a timing issue. Like, you know, the government are doing this for a lot of different projects. They have a limited resources. So you have to sort of schedule things that take longer than we can't really go into the community directly. We have to go through the government, and they, the government sort of helps negotiate on their behalf as an indigenous uh, community kind of thing, right? So it just takes longer, but uh, you know, we we haven't seen anything in the way of roadblocks or potential roadblocks coming into that.
0: Yeah, literally and physically and and all that. Exactly. with COVID, of course, have, have you traveled lately? Have you been to Peru as, I, of, re- as of late?
1: Uh, I was down there, last time I was down there was uh, before I took on the interim CEO role uh, in, in late August, early September. Oh, okay, o- so well, not too long ago. Not too long ago. Okay. They were in the process of drilling the Elida project
0: at the time. Yeah. And Okay, fantastic. Let's talk projects. You mentioned Alita. Um, Shall we start there? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a lot Uh, going on. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, Alita and Florida Cobra, where you just uh, announced the start of drilling as well. So let's start with Alita because you drilled there just recently. You mentioned you've been to the drill. Um, Run us through it. And uh, what did you drill? What were some of the results? I think there was one very nice 900 meter hole that you put out.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, we, I don't know if we'll ever mine down to 900 meters, but uh, we just wanted to show continuity of grade and mineralization, you know, in the system. And it's a big system. Elida itself, as I mentioned, was discovered by uh, by globe trotters, and uh, sort of neat, really, in that uh, it was probably the first Eocene age porphyry system discovered in Peru. So, so how this works is all these porphyries occur in the roots of volcanoes, so they form in these volcanic arcs or volcanic chains, you know. But they have to they they form down about three to five kilometers usually so you have to basically have them exposed long enough so that they erode down to where the porphyry is exposed so uh the the eocene porphyries that you see you don't see well it's the first one we've seen in, in peru uh but all of the big deposits in chile or a lot of them say for example and comata and those are, are are eocene in age so that arc sort of comes up and then it disappears in Peru and, and people thought it just sort of pinched out kind of thing. But we're actually seeing that that arc continues through Peru. So it generates a lot lot of interest in the sense of like it's an unexplored volcanic chain for potential new discoveries. But the project itself, uh, we, we drilled about 4,500 meters. Uh, Lundin had done about close to 10,000 meters initially before handing it back to the Globetrotters. So what we wanted to do is get in and, and sort of validate uh, the work that they had done and continue to expand on this resource base in this Target 1 area. Uh, the system itself is, is very large. It's about 2K by 2K in size, made up of five different targets. Uh, we've only really tested Target 1 yet, and, and we're hoping to get sort of an initial resource estimate out. The range of what we're looking for is somewhere between 250 and 500 million tons of probably a half a percent or greater copper equivalent, down to about 400 meters
0: it's not a small project you know it's fairly sizable it's, it sounds like it yeah, yeah. so and mineralization starts right at surface I'm assuming. Oh. all 30
1: meters of, of unconsolidated consolidated colluvium and then you're right into half a percent copper on surface yeah fantastic
0: so. i just have a map here so i'm just looking at that as well and you've only drilled target one so far
1: we have i mean uh we when lundin got in they're doing it they're actually using a hand portable rig so they were only really able to access one small area was at gonna the say, time. just uh, yeah. scratching the surface with a toothpick
0: yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. You, you've drilled only uh, 4500 meters, roughly. Like, yeah. Why, why such a small amount? Like I have to ask. Like I, I want to see scale personally, right? Like, oh, I want to see the four hundred fifty thousand meter programs, <laughs> right? To add a couple of zeros. So run us through it. Like the, the targeting is part of that as well, please.
1: Yeah. So, so essentially, what we wanted to do was is, is start getting resources on the books. This is a huge system. uh We're going to be drilling there for a couple of years yet, and. uh you know, I sort of ha- we have this sort of mantra where we would like to measure twice and cut once, kind of thing, right? So we don't want to go in and just drill and 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 really not have a, a real focus program. We had an objective we wanted to achieve, and we sort of did that, and we were able to do it with a bit close to five thousand meters. Uh,
0: no, not fair enough. It's good to have a business plan, right? And uh, yeah. I, I keep looking at the Great Bear analog, for example. Like they vehemently just didn't want to put out a resource because it'll cap, it cap our upside because we'd we'll be put in a box probably. And, is that something you're you're afraid of as well? Like, let's say you come out with 250, or even let's mm-hmm. say 230. Okay, right. let's be pessimistic here. Okay. Like, and you mentioned just 250 or oh, 2500, and then you come out with 230. Investor's going to put you in a penalty box, right? Possibly. So, so, so now the motivation is like, why put out a resource when you know you can drill for like five more years easily without even like having to drill the same target twice?
1: I, I think. I it, it mean, you know, we, we look at it from a valuation perspective. I mean. Uh, not being able to sort of tell the world the scale of what we're looking at here is it makes it harder to, for them to sort of conceptualize what we're doing, you know. Yeah. Just, just being able to say that we have like one of five targets and in that area just down to 400 meters we can put together like a half a billion tons of copper, you know, uh, loads of room to expand. Uh, but, you know, we, we sort of make people aware that it's just a start. And uh, we can continue to grow this. Every time we go in and drill, we're going to add resources to the books. Yeah. I don't think there's a problem with
0: that. Oh, of course not. No, there are different approaches to it. Like, what do you call it? Different ways to peel an egg or something like that? Like, there are more ways than one. Um, one. One question is, who, who do you think your audience, though, is your marketing, like you're putting the resource out for? Because like, it, 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 in the end, Great Bear was pretty much an institutionally held story. I have yet to hear a story from somebody who owned Great Bear at 30 cents and sold at 28, whatever it is. Uh, Kinross is paying for, right? So I don't think I've seen that out there. It's not like the Bitcoin billionaires out there now saying, well, I bought it a dollar and now we're at 65,000, whatever it is. It's 42, I think. But you, you catch my drift. So
1: who's your audience? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, we haven't done a lot of work on, uh, like we're, we're, we haven't really had enough work done to really get good analyst coverage and, and things. But we, what what the way we look at, we're looking at moving our projects at least certainly Florida Cobray project, which has a historical resource on it we're currently drilling, we want to move that towards production and uh, and make a production decision as soon as we can. And we think there is an opportunity there. We think it could be economic at these prices for sure. And then at the same time, we're trying to build our resource base, right? So we're we're trying to get to like four 4 million tons of contained copper, which is close to like a billion ton ore body kind of thing or multiple bodies put together. So, you know, we don't really, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know how to answer that <laughs> exactly. But I would say that, you know, we, we'd like to see institutional investors become a big part of it. Uh, we're marketing in the US a fair bit and uh, in Europe as well, where we know there are some pretty sophisticated investors. So we're, we're trying to build that sort of, you know, um, investor base.
0: So, so as a follow up to that, and I hate putting you on the spot there, but is our joint ventures like part of the strategy? Is that an option for you as well or even venture? Uh, bending out the projects like at some point like that's what I mean by audience maybe the majors anybody else who'd be interested like in a 19.9 joint or so as well is that part of the, the game plan as well
1: no not at all okay. uh, I think I think from our perspective we, we don't really see that as being a good business strategy uh, you know waiting for the majors to come and, and get sold to them uh, what we want to do like most proper companies really start by having these these sort of cheaper to produce uh, enrichment blankets, sort of similar to Candelaria, uh, where you go in and you can put that into production for, say, a couple hundred million dollars, start to generate cash flow and, and mine that. And while you're doing that, you're basically drilling off your other resource base to hopefully be able to get to a decision to be able to put in, like, a, a flotation circuit to continue to expand and grow the company into, a you know, a, large, a medium-tier producer kind of thing, or at least... A, you know, large enough that you can you can get raise the capital to put something like that into production. So, for example, looking at Elida, um, uh, you know, w- we own the ground outright. It doesn't cost anything to hold it three dollars a hectare, I think. You know, yeah. and uh, uh, so we're not in a hurry to go in and and really, you know, drill the crap out of it kind of thing. We want to we want to be able to sort of take our time and really focus our drilling into you know incrementally just increasing the resource base as we go. And you know, if, 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 uh, if we continue to de-risk these assets and, and, uh, and a company comes bu-
0: along and they're interested in buying us and, you know. And Bob's your uncle, right? Yeah, then absolutely. Uh, yeah, fantastic. No. Okay, uh, let's wrap it up on Alita. Like what, the, what are the plans for 2022 here? Uh, you mentioned resource definition, like somewhere drilling happening as well. Uh,
1: yeah, so we're going to do, uh, we've already started metallurgical work. So we're, we're actually starting to put together the, uh, the initial resource estimate, and we were looking to get a forty-three one-on-one report out on that, hopefully by Q3 of this year. And then once we finish our uh, Florida Cobra drilling, which we're actively doing now, we're looking to get back into Elida to do a phase two program, where we're going to continue to, to to sort of define resources around the target one area, but also look okay. at expanding on two other targets in that in that uh, sort of center right that cluster. So uh, that's that'll be sort of the main objective for Elida for the
0: okay perfect yeah one one slide i really like in your presentation actually you have timelines in there yeah yeah, I, uh, yeah big exactly. big fan of that personally like where you actually show okay this is the plan this is what we're doing this year um it is I uh, it doesn't say the number here on my cheat sheet but uh a personal favorite of these slides so okay. something yeah. i always look forward to because because you can track as well like you can put check marks on you can track <laughs> the progress and it keeps you accountable right a little bit yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fantastic all right elita wrapped up um well you started drilling florida cobra we have, so let's yeah. we got to talk about this, and we're already 25 minutes into the conversation. <laughs> so uh, let, let's talk about it. Um, Fantastic what, project, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean it's right in Elephant Country. Uh, it's about 26 kilometers from uh, Cerro Verde, which is like the largest copper mine in all of Peru, and uh, we're also about five to six k from another uh, mine, which is on care maintenance, but owned by Nexa called Chappie. So we're right in that corridor. So like we're an hour and a half drive from Arequipa and uh, you, know, you can drive right to, the, right to the main center part of the system, right? And uh, so the drill is essentially set up right next to <laughs> camp. And what we're doing is, uh, with that historical resource, it was done back in the 90s, so it, it doesn't meet any sort of standards, you know? So we have to go in and, and, and validate about nine holes and get that to an initial resource estimate that we can report. But at the same time, a lot of these uh, enrichment blankets, which are leachable, uh, sit on top of the bigger porphyry itself so what we're planning, like for example, if you look at Cerro Verde, I think they report, not everywhere, but they, they, you see reports that it has about four and a half billion tons of copper at about uh, half a percent or 0.4 mm-hmm. copper, right? So about 200 million tons of that probably make up the enrichment blanket, and then the remaining four plus billion is within the primary below. So what we want to do is we want to go in and validate that enrichment blanket, but also drill uh, deeper into the primary.
0: Um, yeah. Of of the of the drill program you're running right now, how much of that is just uh, the nine holes? Is that twinning, like yeah, validating twining. the holes? It's yeah. just twinning the hole and and going deeper,
1: testing the deeper part of the system. So we're looking to drill down over 500 meters to be able to
0: sort of start putting together a, a primary copper resource. And those are the first holes you're drilling right now. Is that the first part to get that out of the way and then continue on? Um, Wildcat drilling, anything like that happening, or is just really known target drilling and just well.
1: Uh, we don't see the, the resource itself that's already, the historical resource expanding much, but we're, we're looking to just drill deeper and okay. that's really where the wildcat is. I mean, you can, you know, a lot of these projects, for example, big mining companies get into these big porphyry systems and, the, and they only drill off what they need to. I mean, they're like generational yeah. projects, right? So uh, we're going to drill down to probably five to 700 meters underneath the enrichment blanket. And if the system continues to produce, then we'll continue to expand.
0: Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Well, I feel like we're neglecting Florida Cobra here. Like look, run us a bit through the timeline for the project. Like you're drilling now, uh, how, how many yeah. meters again? I have 4,500 meters in mind as well.
1: Uh, well, we've only said that we're drilling 3,700. That's, okay. that, that's all we yeah. need to do the program. But, you know, if we start getting good results, we're going to continue to uh, expand that program.
0: And then yeah. next steps like verifying resource, obviously. Um, when do you expect that to happen? Like how long is the program planned for
1: yeah so it's, it's going to be about a four-month program okay. and then we'll uh we'll end up uh, putting together an initial resource estimate on that which we hopefully will be done before the end of the year and uh and then we're going to look at deciding whether we move it towards a pea uh we're going to be doing met work on the project pretty much as soon as we can while the course fresh looking at like a sequential analysis to be able to see what the solubilities are like for the different minerals
0: Things how, like that. Right? How long's the turnaround time on MET results? I think bottle roll or fire assays are usually like longer? Uh, well, well, column th- testing. Sorry, column testing is usually six months, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Uh, well, we sort of uh, laid out about, uh, you know, four to five months, but, okay. you know, it could be a bit
0: longer. Yeah, sounds yeah. about it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then resource estimate, what is it now? It's February, mid-February, mid-August. So September, early September. Might make sense for a resource. Probably be
1: a little bit later in the later. year.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. Probably close to the end of the year. Yeah. So you, you started drilling now one drill, that is, or two? yeah one drill
1: so yeah. far yeah it's a fairly tight sort of you know program right I mean the holes are pretty not that far apart and, yeah. uh, and there's already his historical infrastructure there like roads and things to so get into yeah. these locations so, yeah. you know
0: I, I do have to follow up because it seems like I ask everybody that like lab turnaround times like have you had conversations with the labs or, Absolutely. like how are you mitigating that lab turnaround risk
1: we have a three week turnaround. Okay. So that's in the yeah.
0: contract or is that actually in, in, in real life? No,
1: in real life. <laughs> absolutely. No, okay. it proves really good that way. And we have a really good relationship with the lab. We've been using them for quite a long time. So uh, you okay. know, we, we, we've been consistently, for Elida at least, consistently getting about three-week turnaround of oh, results. Yeah, because
0: uh, that's a conversation that popped up here during Roundup last week as well. Like, how are companies mitigating the lab risk? Like... Three three months plus turnarounds. It's it's crazy. But uh, I saw a line or I heard some feedback that uh, there's a prep facility, a company that offers uh, Uh, prep prep work uh, on site or sells you prep labs. Yeah. On site, and apparently, there's quite a bit of demand for that, and people <laughs> are looking into that just to cut the turnaround time for that, right? I don't know how you
1: can plan a program where you're waiting like three to four months to get results it's back. It's impossible, yeah, it's, right? impossible. it's especially when
0: you have a four month season, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, that, that's brutal. Um, so let, let, let's wrap this up then. Uh, we talked about Alita with Flor de Corbre, um, drill results, I'm assuming, will be the next catalyst or news, uh, news right. items coming out, yeah, yeah.
1: No, we're, uh, we're definitely looking, uh, I mean, uh. We're validating holes and, and like the first hole into the program is K008, which is drilled back in the 90s. It had 272 meters of 0.92 copper and uh, 114 meters of that I think was about 1.4% copper as enrichment and the no 116 meters is enrichment and 156 meters of uh, 0.58 as a primary. We're just going to, if the primary sulfides continue, we're just going to continue to drill that hole. And, uh, you know, it really tests that, uh, that primary or hypergene gene.
0: Well, you so give us the, to the blueprint what to look for, right? So <laughs> yeah. pressure is pressure's
1: on. There's, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's not like we're drilling a, a new hole. It's, no. it, it's, you know, we're just validating. So the results we expect to be quite good for that hole.
0: Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you're financed, you cash on hand, drilling is happening. So it yeah. should be quite exciting season. I've seen you ramp up marketing. Uh, a little yeah, bit as well. I've seen you out a uh, little more vocal out there. A little there. more. Yeah. Fantastic. Get yeah, some better. more eyeballs on it.
1: Hopefully, get some analyst coverage if we can in the next uh, little
0: while as well. Yeah. See what happens. Awesome. awesome. Well, Richard, I really appreciate you coming to the office, like coming into the studio talk. here. It's, uh, <laughs> like, you might have noticed, like, we're 32 minutes in. It just makes it such a better conversation <laughs> having you sitting right in front of me instead of just here on a screen. So. Yeah. Um, I was told it is going to be
1: eight minutes or so, but uh, you know we, that's we... the
0: breaking news special. You <laughs> usually do twenty. We we aim for twenty. We're sitting at thirty-two, but I think we covered all the ground. So I think, okay. and in person is just easier to engage. Than, oh no, it's been great. Screen, so. We really like telling stories, so, you know, so we're pretty happy with what fantastic. we've done. So fantastic. Appreciate you coming on and uh, everybody else. And uh, change the camera. There we go. Uh, thanks for joining us, SF Live. T- this was episode two hundred and thirty-seven. Make sure to give this video a like. If you liked it, if you liked the conversation, leave a comment. What do you think of the company? What do you think of the conversation? Anything we forgot to ask, put that in the comments. I'm sure Richard will take a look at it. I'll take a look at the comments as well and see if I can answer anything or if I reach out to the company to get some more feedback. And uh, that's it for today. We'll be back with more live content. If you haven't done so, check out our uh, SF Live on-site trailer uh, that we just put out this morning as well. We've been uh, to Maritime Resources. Uh, full video premiere is happening this Thursday at 9 a.m. PST. So make sure to join us for that. And uh, leave a comment, leave a like, share the video. Thanks so much for joining us.